Hi, my name is Will Farrell. And I feel awkward about being Conan O'Brien's friend. Fall is here, hear the yell, back to school, ring the bell, brand new shoes, walking blues, climb the fence, books and pens. I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Yes, I can tell that we are gonna be friends. Hey! Welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. This is the podcast where I, Conan, talk to people I've interviewed over the years on my TV job and try and figure out what's really the deal with us. Are we friends? Is it all fake? What's going on with us? That's my quest. And I'm joined by, I would say, trusty assistant. I don't think that's, I don't know that you're trusty assistant, but Sonam Obsession. What do you think? Yeah, I'm trusty. Mm. And hello. Okay. And of course, Matt Gorley, uh, who's a podcast extraordinarian and expert. Oh, hi. You are. You're very good <laughs> at this podcast stuff. And so are you. And I thank you. I don't know anything about it. I am just babbling, which I've done uh, since I was born. But you have the mad skills to make sense of all of this. And I appreciate you being here. The three of us together, we're going to get our way through this. You were really nice to him. <laughs> and you were He's amazing. so shitty to me. I wasn't shitty to you. You said, are you trusty? I've no, been no, with you for a very long time. Mm -hmm. And uh, and what? And I think I've done a good percentage of the things that you've asked me to do over the years. You and think above 60%? I don't think over. I think, no, I don't think over 60%. <laughs> but it's just, you know, you're like, trust no, 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 And then you go to Matt, well, you're like, oh my God, you're thanks. wonderful. And it's well, just not nice. I'm just impressed that he's uh, so skilled at what he does. But you are a nice person. Wait a minute. What? Am I not a nice person? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know you personally. Yeah. Maybe we'll be friends one day. That's not going to happen. No, no, no. You're across from me wearing a headset. That's not going to happen. You spend so much time doing podcasts, I'm sure that you're just insufferable. That's sadly true. Right? Yeah. You're constantly saying, boy, this is a great chicken sandwich, but now a word about this amazing new mattress. Mm, this is hitting home. See, that's where I could teach you a thing or two. I appreciate it. Yeah. Today's guest is Will Ferrell. I don't think anybody's ever made me laugh harder than Will Ferrell. And he's uh, right here and he's got the dead eyes of a shark. Will Ferrell. Hey, Will. What I love about the audio space, is that the right term? Yes. Is that it's refreshing and there's a certain, there's a level of honesty or at least perceived honesty when you're listening to th these things. So yeah, that's what uh, like a Mark Maron or people like that. Yeah, I think that's his is so good. You know, what'd you do that for? <laughs> what'd you do that for? What number of podcasts is this for you, by the way? I think this, 200? Is, this is maybe the first. <laughs> this might be is the this first. This is the trial balloon. This is the first time I've heard my own speaking voice. <laughs> and you're loving it's it. It's horrible. <laughs> I, Perfect. I sound like a, an irate woman. Well, you have a good voice. Don't sell yourself short. I don't love my voice. I want to say, I want to start it with this. I don't think you should be here. I think it was a mistake. You are too big a star to come in. You have lowered yourself to be here. This was a mistake. I am just focusing on the sound blankets taped to the walls here. Mm -hmm. <laughs> this is the room where they shot Joe Pesci in where Goodfellas. They, yeah. Where they've stenciled Conan. Yeah. On them. <laughs> it does. It really does look like we're preparing for a murder. This is, this is, this is crazy. Why would you, what kind of, what's with, with your management? When, when somebody, I told I told you when I saw you, yeah, 
Um, you grabbed me by the shoulder. And I said, I will not do your podcast. You said that, and you said it was the conviction of a man whose legs were on fire. And I and thought, you, he's telling the truth. You went, okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. That's all right. Yeah, yeah. And I respected you for that decision. You're Will Ferrell. You've made and then I came over back. four movies. Over, over four movies in Jamaica alone. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. We'll get back to that. I, okay. I know your management, Mr. Jimmy Miller. Right. I think he made a mistake. I oh, think oh. I don't think you should be here. I think this was it. Well, I'm here. This was an easy pass for you, and uh, you should. I be can here. pass right now. You could, and we can just cut this thing in half. Yeah, or not even in half. Yeah, but you're here. God, I want to walk out this door right now. <laughs> Listen, that you can't. The door's been sealed. Oh my God, it has. They They've are literally it. they're sealing it right now. They have welding up there tape <laughs> and extra ferny blankets. <laughs> So just a couple, uh, not very recently, you yes. never know when these things air, so I'm just going to say very recently, yeah. I shared the stage with you at the Greek Theater, and you were Ron Burgundy, and right. you were, when you become Ron Burgundy, you do things that no one else in comedy can do. I was stood backstage, and you, as Ron, started to talk about, for any other comedian, it would be an aside. You just mentioned, we're here at the Greek, it's nice, we're nestled in the hills here in Hollywood, right. now some wolves You started to talk about wolves being in the hills, and I watched as you talked about wolves coming out of the hills. Coyotes. 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 For maybe 15 minutes, and you wouldn't let it go, and it was hilarious. You went at least 14 minutes longer than any other human would ever go on about coyotes. Yeah, there is – there's something about doing Ron Burgundy because he's an expert on everything in Mm -hmm. his own mind – and it's great if the audience is laughing, obviously. They were laughing very hard, yeah. But it's even better when they're not because I just love to punish them. And just they can't go anywhere, and Ron just has a captive audience. Well, it's nice because it's not you in that moment. <laughs> you, Will is somewhere else. Ron is on stage. I was also just screaming names of communities at them. Yes. Because if you've been to the Greek theater, for those listeners at home, it's up in the Los Feliz area, Griffith Park area. And so I kept talk, I kept referencing the communities down in San Diego yes. because I'd driven I'd rented a car to drive <laughs> to the Greek theater, but I but I kept saying I had a list of like fifteen communities which are foreign to the L.A. audience, yes. but I just like. Anyone from Rancho Panasquitas here tonight? <laughs> and there'd just be like a smattering of applause. <laughs> I want to hear you in cantata. <laughs> <laughs> and but somehow they ca- they came with me on it, and I just kept yeah. Well, then you started talking about how on your drive up, you're on the 101. <laughs> But then you get on the 134, so you switch to the 5. <laughs> to and the you, 710. And this, the 710, and again. I kept saying, stay with me. Stay, stay with me. <laughs> stay with me. But what I loved as a longtime admirer of yours, I get to ask this a lot. People say, who makes you laugh the hardest? And I, I consistently say, Will Ferrell, because he doesn't care. He goes down these deep, deep wells he does not care if you're coming with him or not, and you follow him out of fascination. Uh, and I don't know where that comes from. You have uh, you have dead shark well, eyes, and uh, you are. I think it's that thing, you know. And it happened on my um, audition for Saturday Night Live. You know, they do it different every year, as yeah. you know. But that yeah. year that I did it, everyone had to do it in eight H, and it was there's no audience, <laughs> and there's just a camera, <laughs> and. Someone holding a boom mic. Yeah. 
and just the glow of Lauren Michaels' cigarette as he smokes it. No, uh, but <laughs> he doesn't <laughs> in smoke the, in the darkness. No, <laughs> but you're literally alone. Yes, and it's so intimidating and so awful that I was like, "Oh, it can't get any worse than this." So I'll just try to relish the moment. So yeah. that same, I've I've kind of just followed that practice. You've always done that. I remember early on when you were on Saturday Night Live and you were not, you did well right away, but you had- Sort of. Sort of, but yeah. you, it hadn't- I was announced the most annoying newcomer. Were you really? Yes. Yes. Okay. Sherry O'Terry was like the outbreak star. Yeah. And then Will Ferrell, most annoying newcomer. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> There's one guy not to watch. This guy won't shut up. Yeah. But you have forgotten about that. Oh, I, have, I, I say it in my prayers every night. <laughs> <laughs> so I remember that I was doing the late night show on the sixth floor. Because when did you start? You started 93. In, yeah. What right year did before, you start? 95. Okay. Yeah. So right around the time my show is sort of starting to gel and, and get up and running, it took us about two years to figure out which... <laughs> <laughs> what the hell we were doing. <laughs> right. But uh, I remembered uh, a guy who worked on our show also hung out at Saturday Night Live and he was talking about you. Okay. And he said, there's this guy, Will Ferrell, and he's really funny, but he does these things and I don't know if he's kidding or not or if he's crazy. <laughs> and I said, what do you mean? And he said, he did his, tell me if this is true. Yeah. This is what I heard at the time. Right. And I'm pretty sure it's not lore. He told me that no, this guy will, this kid will. The last sketch that he was in mm-hmm. on Saturday Night Live, he had to be dressed in a certain costume. Oh, the Jerry Reed outfit. Yes, like a, like a full-on country music mm-hmm. star outfit. Mm-hmm. And he wore it to the after party, which mm-hmm. Saturday Night Live always has, mm-hmm. and then continued to wear it for weeks. Well, not only for weeks, for the whole entire second half of the season. Yes. 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 And I had a, a yeah. friend of mine, then people yeah. started to tell me, I kept thinking mm-hmm. he's going to drop it. Mm-hmm. So then weeks later, someone would say, I was at the Natural History Museum <laughs> and I saw Will Ferrell walking down the street in his, I'll, in his country western costume. I'll describe the outfit to you. Yeah. Wrangler jeans. Yeah. Like 1970s Nike track shoes. Mm-hmm. A uh, Western shirt with a down vest yeah. and a trucker's cap. Trucker's cap. And I was playing Jerry Reed. Yep. Uh, from the Smoky and from the, the Bandit movie. And great musician. In a, yeah. in, a, in, a, in a sketch that for some reason, you remember how the shooting days went at SNL. We had a pre-tape, but we shot part of it in the first part of the day, and we weren't shooting the second part till the next. So I decided I'm just going to hang out in my Jerry Reed costume all day during rehearsal. And whatever. But then I decided to wear it to the after party. Then I wear it to the pitch meeting the following yeah. Monday. And then it was this writer, Tom Giannis, who was like, because yeah. it was a run of three shows. He's like, please wear it for the next show, too. So I started wearing it sh- show week number two, then show week number three. And I thought, OK, this was funny enough. And it was Tom was like, please wear it for the rest of the year. It'll be so inspirational. And I'm, I'm like, you're right, Tom. I have to do this. <laughs> I don't know why. This, <laughs> this is a, what separates you. I don't you know why this was a badge of honor. Yeah. So I'm like, there's no reason not to. And it became this beautiful comedy litmus test. And it would get funnier and funnier and funnier to people. Other people would be like, there are other people who are more of the staff would be like, would you stop? What's wrong with you? Right. Don't. Now, I didn't wear it consecutively. I would launder it on occasion. Yeah. But for the most part, I wore it from February to May. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And at one point, I had Alec Baldwin was hosting and he said, uh, are those your normal clothes? (laughs) 
this, is this an outfit you normally wear? <laughs> and I go, <laughs> I go, I don't know how to explain this to you. But no, this is like a long running joke. He's like, good, because it's not a good look for you. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I could see him with those eyes, those totally. piercing eyes. And he was yeah. giving me like brotherly advice. And I go, Don't do that. Oh, oh no, I I I know it's not, but I'm but once again, that became a thing where oh, I gotta keep wearing it. And uh, yeah, finished out the year wearing the uh, Jerry, uh Jerry Reed, Reed outfit. You yeah. also did something that no one's ever done before, which I loved. Again, I'm doing my show. I, I, doing, I love, I'm trying to remember I'm doing my show. what, what I'm do, it will be. I'll tell you. Yes. I think you will remember. Okay. I'm doing my show down on late night and uh, at the late night show. And again, we're just a couple of floors away. Yeah, from you guys Center are on the sixth floor. Sixth right? floor. And yep. so you, <laughs> you, you came to us and you said, uh, I have a funny idea and I don't think they like it at Saturday Night Live, but I could do it on your show. And we said, <laughs> sure. And, you know, we're doing an hour a night. Yeah. And so- you played a character called Scrub-a-Dub. Oh, no. This was, this was uh, written by it was, Adam McKay. It was written by Adam McKay, yeah, yeah, uh, but, the great Adam McKay. Yeah, and, but but uh, yeah, you, yeah. you played Scrub-a-Dub. Yeah, right. And right. Adam McKay wrote it. Yeah. And so you guys came to us, it was both of you, mm-hmm. and said, can we do it on your show? And we were like, uh, you know, it, it was someone saying, do you want a Bugatti? Yes. <laughs> yes, we want a Bugatti. You guys came and scrub a dub. Uh, it's hard to describe, but he's like a Mister Clean, a, a, obnoxious Mister Clean. He's an obnoxious Mister Clean who's yeah. out of control. Yeah, and it was a sketch where we're going to have a website soon where you can look up all the old stuff mm. in in high resolution. And this is but one it was kind of kinda like a running ad throughout your show. It was a running ad. You kept, live ad. You yeah. kept interrupting, and I would move on. You'd say I'm scrub a dub, and you were. I think you were bald, and you had yeah. the muscular, the muscular Mister Clean yep. outfit. Yep. And then I would say, okay, well, that's great, Scrub-A-Dub. And I would move on. And then you'd be in the corner and you'd be playing craps yeah. with, a di- with dice. And you'd be yelling, come on, come on, luck be my leader tonight, Scrub-A-Dub. And it, you kept, it got violent. Yep. It got out of control. At one point of spray painting on, your, on, the, you were spray- on the set. You were spray yeah. painting and yeah. you kept interrupting. Yeah. So here's the great thing about it. No one had told Lauren. No one had asked Lauren's permission. Because <laughs> we didn't know. We didn't we, know anything. We're all yeah, kids. Yeah, we're all kids. Exactly. And we're all just doing, well, this is funny. They wouldn't do it on Saturday Night Live, so we'll do it here. We'll just bring it down. So yeah. the next thing, we get this call from Lauren, who's executive producing our show. Yeah. But he doesn't know that. Sure. If we just get this call, which is like, you know, if you're going to use my people, would you let me? And I think you got a talking to. Yeah, I you, did too. You and, got a talking uh, to. And I think uh, Adam McKay yeah, got a yeah, talking absolutely. to. Which was, you no, 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 no. But we were just completely like, well, oh, they don't want to use it here. Let's just, well, let's call up Conan yeah. and his guys. And, and that started yeah. this thing where the most consistent thing I hear from fans is that your appearances were always these conceptual thought pieces, comedy pieces, mm-hmm. that <laughs> where you would commit and your commitment would make me commit. I would never say this is a bit. Right. So, uh, so there's the time you, through a very complicated pre-tapes, you heckled yourself. Playing a guy with a mustache and a Michael Jackson glove. Yeah, and, and, jacket, and a Michael Jackson right? jacket. Jacket that was too small. So you came out to try stand-up, Will yes. Ferrell. And then we cut to you with a mustache. Heckling, uh, at, yeah. heckling yourself. Yep. And then the heckling gets between the two of you yeah. and you say, hey, I'm just trying to do something here. Right. And then you as yourself being a total dick and you kept, kept wiping the mustache with your finger. 
and gesturing uh. to it and being a total prick. And then you charged yourself and everyone in the audience was like, well, how's this going to happen? Because the guy in the audience is a pre-tape. Oh, that's right. And How are we, you two going to interface? Right. And then we cut to a – you insisted on a body double and who was staged. a little person <laughs> – in a Michael Jackson, in a Michael Jackson jacket, <laughs> right? Who tackles you? So yes. suddenly and the re- beats me up <laughs> and beats you up yes. and doesn't match you yes. in any way, in any way, shape, or form. Thank God for your late night show because that was like <laughs> that was like comedy heaven, where I knew there were other talk shows that mm-hmm. were you know very lovely to do. Yep. However, they had their set rules as to what they were comfortable doing. And you guys were always like, let's do it. Let's Sounds try it. Great. Yeah. There was, there was one where you, we had the drum off. Where yes. I, I wanted to um, show off my drumming against a, a <laughs> nine year old kid <laughs> who was a nine or two. He was like 11. He was anyway, like 11. Yeah. But a really good drummer and I can't play and he blows me away and I chase him off the set. Um, yeah. I mean, that was, uh, I was once doing Charlie Rose and he was asking about doing late night TV and all the talk shows. And I literally started going down, like just unabashedly going, oh, this one's fun. You know, you know, always doing Letterman. It's, it's such a right. cool thing. But, right. but hands down, Conan is the best. And Charlie Rose went, careful, careful. <laughs> like he didn't want me to play favorites in any way, but I'm yeah. like, I mean, he's the, and I, I yeah, saw what yeah. he was, he was trying to not let me put my foot in my mouth, but no, you guys I think were time just... has proven that his judgment was best. Yes, right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we have to do it. Kaboom. We have to take a quick uh, break. We'll be right back. And now it's time for a segment called Conan O'Brien pays off the mortgage on his beach house. Yeah. We've been over this before, but I uh, took a pretty large mortgage and then I borrowed against the mortgage. And then I took another mortgage. Financially, not the smartest move. That sounds like a lot of bad decisions. Yeah. But if it's enabled me to uh, read ads, then maybe it's led me to my true calling in life. Don't you think? (laughs) You think ad reading is your true calling? It might be the only thing I do well. Okay. I've decided. And then we're back. Just like that. Yeah, we did nothing. That was a good break. Your level of commitment was what we were talking about. And I tell people that- Wait, back, sorry. Yeah. Back to Ron Burgundy yes. at this live charity show. Yeah. I, I didn't even tell you about this component because uh, Jerry Seinfeld was doing stand-up as part of our show. And I ran into his longtime manager, uh, George Shapiro. George Shapiro, yeah. And he has very set rules as to how Jerry likes to be introduced mm-hmm. and doesn't want a lot of, uh, they just want, ladies and gentlemen, Jerry Seinfeld, and he has to have a stool. And, you know, yeah. every comedian has their particular things that they, they want a certain way. And so he was like, uh, he was like, hey, well, yeah, Ron Burgundy, I love it. It's going to, and, and you know, keep it short. And I was like, well, you got to tell that to Ron Burgundy. Ha ha ha. And then I could tell it made his head spin in such a way because i knew we had this crazy intro for jerry as ron that yeah yeah um and luckily jerry thought it was really funny i was backstage because we had just finished our bit i'm standing backstage and when jerry is about to go on yes and so i was standing here because i'm just you know interested to see and the transition the transition and uh you know the crowd excited about conan and then just sort of having to settle down for jerry yeah (laughs) You know, well, Jerry was brought in to cool it off a little bit after Conan, which is generally his role. Well, we shut the show down. Yeah. To cool it down. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Anyway, so Jerry comes in and, you know, crowd's filing out. Um, (laughs) 
I don't, he's not, I'm told he's not that powerful in the business. So I'm just going to go after him. He's not, he, he can't, he yeah. can't hurt you. Yeah, he can't. No one can. He can hurt me. a lot of people, but he can't hurt you. No, no, no. I'm in a very small not room. Not the man. <laughs> not the main man. Protected by his ferny blankets. <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, you go on and on and on and you start listing his credits, yeah. which includes, you've seen him on the Arsenio Hall show. <laughs> this is for Jerry Seinfeld. Uh, from, yeah, uh, you know him from Arsenio Hall. Uh, yeah. The Magic Johnson talk show. <laughs> um, you know him from the Seinfeld show reruns. <laughs> you, you, you listed the local yeah, we, affiliate. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. he was backstage and he was howling, which was, he was really laughing no, he, hard. No, he wrote me a really nice, yeah, he said he had a great time and, um, and I'm like, thanks for indulging Ron with the long, he's like, oh yeah, I loved it. But anyway. You and I have something in common. We both same, sort of. We share the same birthday. No, we don't. No. No, we okay. don't. No, Sorry, we don't. go ahead. I got excited for a second, yeah. but yeah. I've never seen you at Denny's yeah. for the free cake yeah. on the day I'm there. You're you, always there at Denny's, right? You were, yeah. For the free cake? When I, when I can get a free cake. Forget it. I uh, I was in the Groundlings. Right. I was in the Groundlings before you. You were a contemporary of Lisa Kudrow's. Lisa Kudrow. And or I, shall I say she was of, of you. <laughs> 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 that means nothing. Oh. So you start by taking the classes. Yes. That's what happens at the Groundlings here in Los Angeles. You take the classes. They have really cool names. Beginning, Intermediate, and Advanced. (laughs) (laughs) So what I've always thought was hilarious was Lisa was so hysterically funny. And some people have sometimes thought they sometimes make people repeat at the Groundlings just to get, you know, make a little more money. Uh Uh-huh. You know? So – there was Lisa was just hilarious, and then they were. I remember them telling Lisa she had to repeat. You should, uh, you should take this class again. <laughs> you gotta keep working. You should on get your again. Job. I just think one more. And basically, it was like you know, one more round of payments, maybe. Yeah, will <laughs> really improve your comedy chops. That's hilarious. Yeah, she and I were there uh, at the same time. I didn't actually ever join the Groundlings because I left to write at Saturday Night Live, but I did all the classes. You went all the way. Did you go to the Sunday show? I was about to go to the Sunday show when I had to leave, yeah. For gainful employment. For gainful employment. Rather than pay to be on stage, (laughs) I was paid. That's what was always so funny to talk to anyone who'd come from Second City in Chicago. They were like, how much did you make at the Groundlings? I'm like, no, you had to pay to perform there. Yeah. Yeah. And then when you were on the main stage, you finally didn't have to pay. I I didn't make any money. No, they, uh, I think the key is that uh, Second City, I think they serve drinks. Uh Uh-huh. And they serve food, yes. and you can buy T-shirts in the lobby. And you can actually. The, the Groundlings never cracked that. No, no. Uh, but I did that, and I remembered hearing about you later on. I remembered hearing about you at the Groundlings as this incredibly oh, okay. funny guy. My sister, uh, right, right, right. Was, uh, Jane was at the yep. Groundlings, and she said, "There's this." She would rave about you, and uh, I said, "From the uh, thanks to Jane, yeah, yeah." I said, "From the sound of it, he doesn't have it." is what I said at the time. I was very uh, defensive. So, yeah. Exactly. And competitive. Without even knowing me. All I heard was yeah. someone else is funny. And I said, doesn't sound funny to me. And she hadn't even given an example <laughs> of how you might be funny. That's well, all I needed to know. I shut it down. I think that says a lot about you. I don't see that. Mm. All right. I just am very, I root against yeah. other people in comedy. What does that say about well, me? I, I know. So it says You're an awful me. human being. Oh. Yes. Oh. Yeah. When others succeed in comedy... I'm enraged. Right. Is that not good? You need to let that go. I want you to do worse than you're doing oh. so I can feel better about right. me. Right. What's wrong with that? You're not going to get anyone on this podcast, that's for sure. By the way, my crusade after doing this is to tell no one else to do it. 
You're going to tell that? You're going to spread that around? Oh, my God. I'm getting right on the old social media. Is that what it's called? It's called the Soch. <laughs> Is that what the kids I call? should know. I was on Twitter for four days <laughs> and then shut it down. Did you enjoy it? I really, I got way too sweaty and nervous. Yeah. It was too much pressure. Yeah. Yeah. I don't read anything uh, no. about... No, the, no, no. I'm not interested ever. in anyone's uh, opinion of what I'm doing here. about my work. Not Same because here. I'm right. thick-skinned, because I'm thin-skinned. Totally. And I really don't want to yeah. hear an anonymous person say, yeah. uh, who has nothing to lose, say... Well, all the good reviews that I have been forwarded... <clears throat> Where's my cough button? Well, we don't have that. Next year, we'll get the, enough budget for a cough button. Jeez. Okay. Jeez Louise. Oh. You said, um, we're going to have to edit uh, this whole part. Because this shows you as a human I being. always get, I don't read anything, you know, right. reviews or anything. Right. Except for the idol like. You should read the one, though. It's, re it's a great one. And it inevitably always starts with, I've never liked this guy. Yeah. <laughs> However, he was a pleasant surprise yes. in his role as the cat burglar. Mm -hmm. Sona, what do I read? Nothing. I, well, read, I mean, novels. Yeah. No, 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 no. Oh. No, yeah. I mean, yeah, novels, but only if they're about me. <laughs> yeah. No, um, do I read any Never. press? It could, it could be the most glowing review of something you've done. You won't read it. And the reason, even if it's glowing, yep. is it's, that what will I find? If it's good, it's, it, 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 you'll always find the one no, line No, you'll find the one thing that makes you go... Really? Yeah. 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 You know, though saddled with, you know, uh, a horrible lack of humor, O'Brien's managed to overcome it. Uh, you know, whatever. And then it goes the on to say. The only time bad reviews are fun is when something has done really well. You can tell critical masses, you know, we, some of the most amazing reviews we ever got were, were uh, on Step Brothers. Oh. Yeah. So we were already feeling like, oh, this is this is hitting all the right spots and we've we've made something good and the best one was roger ebert and the review was like whatever you do do not see this movie oh wow <laughs> do not tell your friends about it do not buy it when it comes out on dvd and i think he literally wrote like this is like the sign of the end times that this kind of creative venture is being supported it is juvenile asset like everything yeah. he, he's just yeah. like and you just like, I, why do people, why are they making this? And it was just old man voice as you yeah, read it. Yeah. And, uh, and we were like, oh, that's so nice. Because you felt Because we felt, felt so good. Exactly. And it was so off. And it was so off, but it was only out of security could we, could we read them. I am happy if I've doubled down or committed to something. You mentioned Tom Giannis. Tom Giannis yeah, uh, yeah. helped direct Writer, a, director. Yep. Uh, a show in Chicago that yep. I did way back in 1988. You probably weren't born yet. Oh, with Odenkirk and... Uh, Smigel. Smigel. Happy, happy, yes. good show. We did right. this stage show in Chicago, and yeah. I used to do a character. I would have Bob go out and very pompously, Bob Odenkirk would go out and pompously tell the crowd that thing of, Conan through improv is working <laughs> on a character. And he is going to come out now, and he's going to do his character. And it's a very rich character. And you're to ask him questions, and we're all going to build the character some more together. And it was this very, because this God. is how, you know, this really yeah, pompous thing. Yeah. And, um, and this is, it's in Chicago, which is the birth, you know, it's yeah. improv, and they're right. really. The Mecca. And they're yeah. going to. And so by at your questions, you'll see Conan on stage add more depth to his yes. character. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Spoon Eye. And I came out and I had a spoon wedged in my eye and I talk like a pirate and I go, Arr, I'm spoon eye, I am spoon eye. And people were trying to help me right, right. in the crowd. So they would go, Arr, questions for me and we'll build the character C, spoon eye I be, any questions? And so 
these people would say things like, yeah. what's your favorite song? Right, like right. Uh, a, a classic song. Yeah. Uh, it has river in it. Like mm-hmm. they want me to go mm-hmm. Spoon River instead of Moon mm-hmm. River. And I'd go, I know what you're talking about. The Spoony Spoon song. <laughs> oh, Spoony Spoon. And then it was a total fuck you. And then someone else would say, what's your favorite way to lie in bed right. with your girlfriend? Yeah. And instead of yeah. saying spooning, yeah. I'd say, yeah. on a Spoony Spoon bed. The crowd would become enraged. Yes. And this r- critic wrote a thing and he said, I went to this show and I liked the show, but then Mr. O'Brien took the stage with his Spoon Eye character. I saw him miss opportunity <laughs> after, after opportunity. opportunity. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I was so happy. That Kristen Wiig and I did a Lifetime movie, which unfortunately I, I need to give Lifetime permission to air it more often because not mm-hmm. that many people, but I always had this idea to take comedy people and do a Lifetime movie straight up. So we did a Lifetime movie called Deadly Adoption <laughs> and it was amazing. And we played it totally straight and we all the actors had to sign non-disclosure that they would... and guys on the cast were like, is this supposed to be funny? I'm like, no, this is just a change in direction. I just love the script. <laughs> and uh, so it's the most melodramatic. It's this amazing kind of meta thing. Anyway, two reviews. Rolling Stone totally got what we were doing. But the New York Times television critic, whoever this mm-hmm. was, was like, it just baffled his mind and yeah. said, while C- Kristen Wiig has proven she has, is a dramatic actress, Mr. Farrell, if it's supposed to be funny, it's not funny. And as an actor, he's terrible. <laughs> uh, this, he could not figure out what was going on, which was bliss. Absolute bliss. Yeah. 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 The only thing I've ever seen that, that sort of, it's an analogy. If you've seen the movie The Right Stuff, there's a moment where. I have uh, not. Okay. Well, this is awkward. Yeah. You could have just. Oh, it's sorry. about astronauts. I should have let it. Just edit me out when I say have not. But I haven't seen it. Go ahead. You, if you keep saying that, okay. we can't edit. We don't, we don't have the uh, budget. The right to, stuff. What is it about? Oh, it's about astronauts. It's about space. Yes. But I anyway. Have, but I haven't seen it. <laughs> but there's okay. a part where they right. get up into the atmosphere, that part of the atmosphere that's not yet outer space, but not, and the light gets yep. blue and it gets right. really weird. I've always thought in comedy, if you keep pushing something beyond when it's not funny, you can get to this. It's funny, then it's yeah. not funny. Then it's really not funny. Then people are getting a little irritated. If you keep going, there's this magical blue light transition into you can yeah. 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 And I I believe you are the. uh, It's holding your hand over the flame for a little while and just seeing how long before it gets really hot. (laughs) You also did. I was there when you got your Mark Twain award, and it was the funniest acceptance speech I've ever seen anybody give. And then you did this brilliant thing where you finally. (laughs) Finally, you're holding the Twain Award. You say what you did. Well, that which I was <laughs> – so I had this idea and I was so thankful that they said yes without yeah. a hitch because I was preparing for this battle. Because it can get stodgy, that event. Right. And, uh, and they want to see what your speech is going to be ahead of time. And I was thinking, oh, it would be so funny because you're handed the bust and it sits on a stool while you give your speech. And so I thought, God, it'd be great to go to set it down and just break it, (laughs) miss the stool and have it just explode (laughs) on the stage and then just play off of the, oh, geez, what could, so, but, and I was thinking they're, they're gonna be like, we can't do that. The sanctity of the, and I was building up my, my whole argument that the Mark Twain himself would have wanted this. And luckily they were like hilarious. That's great. So, uh, yeah, so that. They allowed me to do it. They and 
I then just very delicately stacked a crumbled mass yes. <laughs> onto the stool I, and then read my speech as if I was uh, standing in front of a perfectly intact yes. Mark Twain Award. Yeah. It but was the re- audience gasped mixed with realizing yes. that it was all a setup. But it was, that was uh, great. it was really fun. And I can assure you the Oscars, the Emmys, the Grammys, whenever you when the times I've done an award yeah. show or been around an award show, they act like their award is There's no the, way. the goblet that right. Christ drank from in the Last <laughs> Supper. That's totally. how they act like it. And if you have a funny idea that involves, they're like, well, we'd love to help you, but that's an uh, Here's Emmy. the thing. That's an Emmy. Um, let me get back to you. <laughs> <laughs> so, Conan, we talked. Oh, my God, we love it. Um, however, is there any way... Yeah. My favorite voice always goes up. My favorite thing ever was I, uh, not my favorite thing ever, but involving an award show. One of my favorite moments was, was a, uh, I did an NFL honors once and I had, I thought really good jokes. Right. The jokes were fine. And then I had really good slams on the commissioner of football. uh, (laughs) Perfect. uh, Roger Goodell. Roger Goodell. Yeah. And, um, were you hosting or I was hosting? Yeah. Okay. And so he comes in and he's this very, uh, neatly coiffed, straight, all business, all business. And he comes in and, but he, he sees me a comedy guy. Sure. He's just like, well, you rascal Conan. Well, can't can't wait for tonight. Can't wait for tonight. You uh, see what you're up to, you trickster. Right. And I said, uh, we have a couple of jokes about you. And he said, they're going to be fine. They're going to be fine. Whatever you want to do. And I said, you're sure. And he said, sure, I'll take a look, but we're, I'm fine with all of them. I just want you to be you and have a good time. And I said, well, thanks a lot, Mr. Goodell. Please call me Roger Goodell. (laughs) It's like, okay. And then. (laughs) Not Roger. Roger. Roger Goodell. Commissioner of foot. Yeah. Okay. So then he turns and I, he walks over about 10 feet from me. And he's talking to someone, and the woman, a person, then one, one, woman comes. No, a woman comes yeah. over and yeah. hands him the sheet of jokes, and he reads through the sh- sheet of jokes, and I have like six jokes right. on him. And then uh, he hands the yeah. sheet back to her, and she comes over and he says, uh, "None of those are acceptable." <laughs> <laughs> I swear, of like, course, eight seconds had passed. Since, oh. oh, you have fun, you minx. Yeah, that's what the. Uh, that for one of those first ESPY years, right. SNL was producing the ESPYs. Who did you and mock? Norm McDonald? Norm was hosting is at yeah. Radio City, and I came out as Harry Carey. Yes, and they just wrote, you know, and we just went around the room and whose roasted. teeth did you go after? You went after someone's well, teeth, well, and yeah. I don't know who it was, but you, yeah, you, and yeah, you, a very prominent quarterback at the time, and you were like, "Gee, you'd think he'd have the money to get his teeth yeah. fixed." And they cut to him, and this makes it. Please it, find it. I, yeah. It makes it a thousand times funnier. He is stoning you. Yes. <laughs> and there were other athletes, and it was just Harry Carey not really knowing who's out there and <laughs> thinking he was at the Source Awards or something. I don't know. And like just. Anyway, it was apparently it was talked about in the halls of ESPN for decades later. Like, let's not have another Will Ferrell, Harry Carey moment. Yeah. Yeah. Their loss, I say. Yeah, me too. Um, I don't want to keep you any longer. I know that you are having facial surgery today. I am having not only facial surgery, but butt implants, finally. So. All right. It's a big day, and I'm doing it myself. That's a mistake. No, I can do it. I've got a monitor system. It'll be easy. You're going to look a at lie your, on a table. You're going to lie on a table. At a you're acting it out. And acting you're gonna, it out. <laughs> okay. I'm acting it out right now. Okay, that's good on a podcast. Act it out. 
You're really good acting stuff My out. Own butt implants. Uh, I maintain this was a mistake. You shouldn't have been here. You're well, too big for this, we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Uh, you may fine. You maintain a mistake, and I will. It will make it my crusade and my life's work to tell people to not do this podcast. <laughs> and you will. I cannot thank you enough. And um, I maintain your. There's a some funny people on the planet, but uh, Will Ferrell has them all beat by Country Mile. I really believe that. Thank you. And thank I've, you, Colin. I've, you've done nothing. I'm filled with goodwill and warmth and good cheer whenever I even think about you. You've just <laughs> been such a good guy to me over the years, and uh, I thank you from the bottom well, of my likewise. heart. And hilarious. Thanks so much. Thanks, yeah. everyone. Ended, Great uh, job, everybody. Ended nice. Great job. Yeah. All right, Will, Conan's gone. You said that you felt awkward about being his friend. It got a little contentious there. Right. How do you feel now after talking with him? Will I feel so much better. It's the longest conversation we've ever had. And I got, you know, I got to look into parts of his soul that I wasn't able to look into before. Yeah, I know. I don't, I definitely, how do I say it? I don't feel as awkward. Um, I now just feel slightly nervous. Do you think it will happen? What? Friendship. Oh, Hmm. That's a real long shot. Look, I'm a pragmatist. And uh, yeah, if I had to put money on it, no. Thank you. Yeah. What is this now? What are we doing? We're going to listen to some questions that fans have for you. We're going to actually hear the fans. Yes. You think they're going to be mean? Yeah. Why? Because when people don't have to ask you something personally, they can be mean about it. But I think also people seem to like you. This is like being able to hear the internet. Yes. Do you know what I mean? These people have no fear of hurting my feelings. This is just uh, scary. Yeah. This is frightening. But go ahead. Let's do it. I'm a brave person. You are. Conan, how do you get your hair to stand up like that? I just don't know. Please tell me your secrets. Um, That's a good question. And I do get that question all the time. First of all, it began naturally. I just noticed that my hair kind of sits up a little bit and it had a spring to it. And this is like when I was a teenager. Okay. Mm-hmm. You know, I was a big fan of rockabilly music and the way they comb their hair up and all that. And so I, I liked combing my hair up into a big wave because I realized I could do that and that uh, it created kind of a look. And then I was watching TV one day and this is a long time ago and there was this actress named Victoria Principal. Do you remember her? You're making a confused look. Yeah. She was on the show Dallas. Oh, okay. I'm I really Dallas. dating. I'm really dating myself now. I thought you were 25. Uh, yeah. Well, until you saw the old eye vein. But there was this actress named Victoria Principal, and she did a commercial, and she gave her hair tip, which she, she dried her hair upside down. And then, so I thought, I'm going to try that. So I was actually a teenage boy taking advice from an actress who was speaking to women, <laughs> and I realized I could make my hair stand up even more to the point where it got ridiculous. And then it just became this weird habit where I sometimes I would just try to build it up into this big French pastry that sat on top of my head. You know, I was actually in Ireland once and this guy was like standing by the side of the road and I walked by and he went, good God, what do you feed that thing? Pointing to my hair. <laughs> and now I don't know how to stop. Mm-hmm. Now I've become like Big Bird or Mickey Mouse. I'm supposed to look a specific way. I made myself a cartoon. Yeah. I turned myself into an emoji and people want to see me be that. And there are times when my hair is flat and people are all upset like I'm a fraud. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, okay, I'll go fix it. And then I comb it back up again and everyone's happy and I get a free latte. All right. Moving on. Hey, Conan, which is your favorite Star Wars movie of the prequels? Thank you. This is Janine from Sacramento. Have a good day. 
God. The prequels are the ones that came. There's the first couple that I watched when I was young. Yes. And then George Lucas made a bunch later on that seemed to upset people. Right. There was Jar Jar. Oh, Jar Jar Binks was in it. Yeah. Right. There's a lot of those ones where they're sitting around talking and it's very bureaucratic. And it's like Samuel L. Jackson. Is that right? Yeah, Samuel L. Jackson is in it. Samuel L. Jackson's in it, and Yoda's there, and a bunch of other Gleep Glorps and Gloop Gloops are there, just weird aliens. Yeah. And they're saying, it will be brought to a vote soon. Yes, it will then go to the next chamber of the House of the Elders. What do we do then? Hmm, difficult it is. Maybe mm, we can introduce Bill uh, as alternate with Ryder on it. And you're like, why, why are we getting bogged down? The whole thing is like a PTA meeting. And then they'll cut to a young Princess Leia and she's sulking. And then Ewan McGregor's around doing something. And then back to the conference room mm-hmm. where they're like, hmm, vote didn't go well. Mm, this could take months. Let's reintroduce Bill. Maybe we get ombudsman to support Bill. And then using uh, le- legislative powers. Mm, am I wrong about that? Yeah, well, Princess Leia wasn't in him. I'm so sorry. I just needed to make sure you knew that. What? Oh, wait. It's You're talking pr- about, is it Queen Amidala yes. or Princess Amidala? Can I just say, <laughs> can I just say, thank you, Matt. Can I just say that I refer to all, if they're wearing a robe and they're the object of someone's affections in a Star Wars, I just call them Princess Leia. That's oh, the way I get through it. Okay. I'm sure Star Wars fans won't mind. She's oh, also a senator, just so we're Oh, oh she's bases. a senator. Yes. Great. Yeah. Okay. Well, first of all, Suddenly, oh, look who came to life over here with Star Wars. <laughs> Someone call my name? Yeah. Uh-huh. Am I not wrong, Matt, that there's chunks of those movies that are bogged down in the legislative affairs of the rebel colony or whatever they're called? Literally the Imperial Senate and the Jedi Council Room, which is just a round yes, room. Yeah. It's a round room. Yeah. And people are bringing in papers. And Yoda's like, hmm, looks bad, it does. <laughs> they use the term trade disputes. Yeah, there are trade disputes. What a great idea. That was the one thing that every kid wants to see in their <laughs> space epic is, is a bunch of senators talking about a tariff and a trade dispute. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. It really is like they were taking the minutes of what happened. Was George Lucas, he was probably in whatever really nice enclave he lives in outside San Francisco. Right. And he had to go to the DMV. Okay. And someone said, no, you got to get in that line and then you have to mail it in. And then he and Lucas was like, yes, this is what Star Wars needs. (laughs) He was so pissed at the Bush administration that he named two of the alien characters, Lot Dodd and Newt Gunray after Newt Gingrich and Trent Lott. Well, that's the stuff that ages really well in films. (laughs) Can you see a 16 year old kid chuckling at the Trent Lott joke? What a mistake. Stay in your lane. Don't get it. Don't get so enraged by the right that you start warping your creative powers, you know? It, it But anyway, that's what I remember about that movie. Is I watched 20 minutes of it and I think they got a bill passed. <laughs> and uh and uh it was I was I was bummed out. Okay. Next question is about a popular figure on your show, so let's play it. Tell me about Jordan. Is Jordan your favorite person in your staff? That's unbelievable. That guy has watched all the Jordan remotes, and his assumption is that Jordan's my favorite person. Have you <laughs> learned nothing? And some of you are probably listening to the podcast and have may not know what we're talking about. Jordan Schlansky is an associate producer on the show, 
and I, I started doing segments with him years ago and people love it because he's got, he's such a strange guy and, uh, he can be borderline rude to me. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows what he does. And every time I ask him, and this is not even a joke, he says, I have various duties and responsibilities. Mm-hmm. And I've asked Jeff Ross, the executive producer, and Jeff's like, he does stuff. And I'm like, what does he do? He does stuff. So I don't know. I think Jordan has something on Jeff. I think Jeff once was in his Tesla and backed up over an old lady and Jordan saw it and Jeff was like, just keep this quiet. and You don't have to do anything. So yeah, I know Jordan is not my favorite person. I do think he's one of my favorite comedy partners as a person. No, he really can be very irritating. Mm hmm. Yeah, he has good wine recommendations and good restaurant recommendations. Yeah, but he'll talk about it for an hour and 10 minutes. Yeah. He has this manner. You ask him about, well, what do you think? What kind of wine should I get? Well, uh, traditionally, the uh, Malbec, of course, uh, you know, in this region because of the earth and you actually, and then he goes into this stuff where he says, you can actually feel the sunlight in the olive oil. (laughs) When you taste this olive oil, you're actually tasting the sunlight, the Tuscan sun, and you're tasting the dreams and disappointments of it. And you're like, no. I mean, a friend of mine asked him about an Italian restaurant once, and he goes, we can go to this one, which is a ristorante, or you can go to this one, which is a trattoria. But yeah. you know, he's like, it's your personal preference. And I, I didn't even know those were two different things. I don't think they are. <laughs> Just Do they serve food? No, he's out of his mind. Yeah. Conan O'Brien needs a friend. With Sonam Obsessian and Conan O'Brien as himself. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs and Jeff Ross at Team Coco and Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. Special thanks to Jack White and the White Stripes for the theme song. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It too could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. <laughs>